you want to give love to the city, that's a fact. But you're going to need help if you want to make an impact. Well endowed, you want to be well endowed with the Edmonton community. Things really happen when you find that you're well endowed. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. And I'm Andrew Paul. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we are a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who've created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories about how these funds help strengthen our community, because it's good to be well endowed. On this episode, we explore the magic of Edmonton Public Library. The Edmonton Public Library, or EPL for short, was established in 1913 over 100 years ago. It has been part of our community for generations and has continued evolving to meet the needs of people in our city. The library has a lot to offer, more than just books. Not that books aren't important. EPL also offers events like speaker series and workshops and programming for children and families. And they offer safe spaces for people to enjoy, whether it's a place to just sit and be or spaces to work on creative projects. They even have spaces for training and skill sharing opportunities. They also offer social supports, like having social workers on staff and partnering with other organizations that support vulnerable people, so that all of us can enjoy the library. Edmonton Public Library has truly become a force for public learning, gathering, and support. Lisa Pruden sat down with Pilar Martinez, Chief Executive Officer of Edmonton Public Library, to learn more. Over to you, Lisa. Thanks, Andrew. I remember my first trip to the library. Well, parts of it. I don't remember if I was in daycare or kindergarten, but I was small. My mom loves books, and ever since I can remember, she has shared that love of reading with me. I already had a book collection of my own, and I had heard about this place. The library. Library. The library. In my very young mind, just hearing someone say the library was like magic. At the library, there were rows upon rows of books. And those books were filled with stories about other worlds and places, some imagined and some real. And there was knowledge, a collection of people's thoughts and discoveries all gathered together in one place. And to help you find your way through it all were librarians, people with special expertise to help you find the stories and knowledge you may be looking for. The sheer sense of possibility gave me a sense of wonder. And when I went for the first time, I was not disappointed. It was the Jasper Place location by Meadowlark Center, and while it looks much different today than when I was little, just seeing the building then gave me goosebumps, and I knew I was about to enter what would become one of my favorite places. I left with five books because I wasn't allowed to take more. Fast forward many years. In 2020, the Edmonton Public Library opened their newly renovated Stanley A. Milner location right in the heart of downtown. And coming into this building gives me that same feeling of magic and wonder that I had all those years ago. Today, the library is still a place of books, stories, and learning, and it is so much more. I have the privilege to sit down with Pilar Martinez. I'm Pilar Martinez, and I'm the very honored CEO of the Edmonton Public Library, a position that I've held for about six years. And she joined me to talk about the amazing community force the library has become. To get started, I asked her what she loves about libraries. Great question. 
maybe I'll talk a bit about why I went into libraries in the first place. I think that'll give you a bit of a more context around um, what sort of inspires me about working in libraries. And it was when I was uh, completing my English degree at Acadia University, and I was doing an honors thesis, and I came across the most helpful librarian. And his name was Mr. Mercer, and everybody in the library would know you were asking a question because he would say in a very booming voice when you asked a question, he would say, oh, come this way, follow me. And I didn't really know what I was going to do after I finished my bachelor's degree, and I thought, yeah, I want to be a librarian. And it's because of that connection to knowledge and information and that discovery and that meeting that need and really about helping, helping people, being inspired by people's needs and wanting to fill those needs. So that's what inspired me and I think still does to this day that I'm able to work in an organization that touches so many people from the variety of backgrounds and demographics and really trying to make everybody's lives just a bit more better and help them contribute more fully to community and and be more successful in our society and engaged. I'm loving imagining this man saying, come with me as it echoes through the library. <laughs> it's true. And he would, he was really, you would describe him as a, a very stereotypical librarian with glasses, of course, and a tweed jacket. So he really fit the role. It was just it was very endearing. Oh, I love it. Well, I was hoping we could perhaps start with the Stanley A. Milner location. Sure. And it has just undergone a wild transformation. Um, So I had the privilege of visiting earlier this year. And one of the biggest differences I noticed was just the space that's been dedicated to skill sharing and development and to creative pursuits and to social pursuits. Even in the children's space, I was thinking of like the gaming space and the sewing space and just all of this very cool creative stuff, including the recording studio you're sitting in right now. Could you talk a little bit about the vision behind this building? I'm happy to answer that. And I think this building is a result of uh, so many people and so many people's ideas and we we did a lot of community engagement, so consulted with people across the city, not just those that were using Milner at that time. And we heard that people really wanted a space to, to just be. Books were really very much a core of what people wanted to see in, in a revitalized downtown space. They wanted that space, as you just mentioned, uh, Lisa, to create um, to make things, to to um, do artwork, to um, and to see a, a more expanded space than what we had at the time in in our makerspace. Gaming was another um, request for use in our space and study space, space in general, space to read, space to sit. So I remember one of the comments. Somebody described it as you know um, they wanted it to be the opposite of loneliness. So I mean I think people come here and even if they're by themselves, they still feel they're part of a community. Um, so I, I think it's got that comfortable seating. We've got study spaces. We've got a quiet reading area. Our makerspace is three times as large as it was in the old Milner. We've added a fabrication lab with a, a CNC mill and other um, equipment that enables people to take the next step in making, creating beyond the digital. You mentioned sewing machines. 
We've got these wonderful studios where people can do podcasts or they can practice instruments. They can create music, edit music. So there are very few, if any, spaces, I think, like this across the city where anybody can come, no matter what their background again. And and the only thing that they would have to pay for is any materials that are cost recovery. So if they were printing something on our 3D printer, just paying for that material to print it out. So it's very affordable and I think accessible. The other thing that we honored, I think, in terms of community feedback was the, the consultation engagement we did with Indigenous communities. There was a need identified for a cultural space, space to explore Indigenous language and identity. So we consulted with uh, members of the community and then also elders and knowledge keepers in the community to construct and design something called Thunderbird House or Piasua Skygen, which means Thunderbird House. And and there was a naming ceremony that um, enabled this name to be honored for the space. And it is a ventilated space. And it was designed, you know, the the doorways had to be certain directions, east or west. So very mindful of the needs and interests of the Indigenous community. It's white birch. It's just stunning. And it enables people to conduct smoke ceremonies, pipe ceremonies, smudges. So things that really there's nowhere else in the community, uh, unless you're affiliated with an organization, that you can come and do those kinds of things. The other thing we heard from the Indigenous communities was that they didn't want it just to be beads and bannock. That was actually a phrase that was used, and and the space needed to be nurtured. So we had, before we um, reopened here, established an elder-in-residence program. And so right now we have Elder Joanne Saddleback, or Nookum Joanne Saddleback, who wonderfully was part of that engagement process to construct and design the space. So she is our current elder in residence who works out of that space and in the community. Uh, You mentioned the children's area. I mean, that's another area that was expanded by three times. And we know that there is more children living in the downtown core. And we wanted to incorporate that opportunity to gain that love of words and language and rhymes and stories. Play is a real essential part of child development. So there's spaces in the area for kids to crawl around and play and touch. And there's lots of space for programs. So classes that uh, promote early literacy and help kids develop those skills. And then we've got our own, its own makerspace uh, nested right in the kids area. And we're very happy about that. We would have to frequently close the old space uh, because of hosting class tours. So now we've got a separate designated space and won't have to do that anymore. So it's, it's, there's so many things. I'm just thrilled that you had the opportunity to come down and visit. Yes. And and I would encourage anyone listening into our conversation to do it because the, just the sheer amount of different things happening in this space is, is pretty incredible and like really brings back that sense of wonder that one has when thinking about the library and participating in the library. So yeah, this new space was opened in 2020. The it was crazy <laughs> year that has been our pandemic, <laughs> the first year of pandemic. But EPL has had a lot going on in response to the ongoing pandemic. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the initiatives that EPL has spearheaded over the last several months? 
Sure. Maybe I'll start, Lisa, if it's okay with the opening of the Milner Library, because while we were able to open at that time, it was still um, under some restrictions and with limited capacity. So it wasn't that sort of, you know, grand, so to speak, opening that we had imagined for the space. And we were limited with the number of people. So we created a virtual open houses so folks could view online before we had the opening, before we officially opened and sort of tour from their computers at home or their iPhones or, or, or devices at home and see the space that way and, and hear more about it from, from staff who were involved in the creation or delivery of the services out of those spaces. So that was um, lovely to be able to provide that access, given we, we were aware that we could only provide so many folks access physically. But we did have a physical grand opening and had about, I think it was just under 1,500 people tour the space that day during the opening day. And the virtual open houses that we won actually resulted in some awards. So quite thrilled that we won the John Cotton Dana Award. It's an award out of the United States that recognizes uh, libraries for unique marketing and communication opportunities. And this is the second time that Edmonton Public Library has won the award. And I think we're the only Canadian library that's won that award twice. So it's a real coveted award. So I think the staff really were very creative in trying to meet the needs of Edmontonians despite the restrictions in place. And we really quickly um, established a team called EPL from Home, which ended up being kind of the branding on our website where we had access to virtual programs. So things like Sing, Sign, Laugh and Learn programs um, that were geared towards really young babies around early literacy. We had programs for adults, you know, adults, book clubs, um, speaking events, and so on. And it, it, they were uh, very popular. I think we had just over 1.1 million visits to those virtual programs. So given that folks couldn't get out necessarily out into uh, phys physically into spaces, I think this was a great compromise. And in some ways, some of those programs have done better, actually, online, like the book clubs. There's something about um, not having to, you know, go somewhere after you come home from work. You can just slip into your comfy clothes and sit in front of your computer and talk about a book that you've just read and, and, and loved or not. That's done very, very well. Some other things we did were the library takeout. So similar to restaurants, you know, providing access to physical materials that people couldn't come in to borrow. We would put, um, they could pick them up if they put them on hold. We put together some personally curated uh, bags of books for people. So they, if they said they were interested in adventure and they were a certain age, we'd put together some books in bags. And that was a very popular service. A lot of our customers used our chat services and our online uh, to get information and questions answered that they would normally get through walking through the doors. We, we worked collaboratively with a number of organizations during the pandemic, um, with the city, with um, the various social agencies. So we provided some technology to um, Bissell and Boyle when they were expanding some of the um, shelters at the convention center. And we provided some even hand wipes when folks were short of that equipment or whatever, you know, the, the um, PPE, the, the hand wipes and the sanitization, even toilet paper. Some organizations were short, so we chipped in as much as we could. And I mean, this is, as everybody knows, this has not been an easy year and a half. And I'm so proud of the EPL staff who've been incredibly innovative and resilient 
and um, their commitment to customer service. We do engagement surveys, and that is always incredibly high staff's commitment to uh, customer service excellence. And I think that's just shone through throughout this pandemic. Absolutely. I was just thinking how proud you must be of your team. And I think it's it's a very special thing that EPL has with with the people who work there with engaging in community. And I was hoping to be able to talk with you a little bit more about that because um, EPL has a lot of community partnerships. And I'm thinking of your partnership, for example, with Bissell Center, where you have a computer lab where Bissell Center clients can come and get training for for work and jobs that they're looking to pursue. Um, And there's a myriad more of these. So I was hoping you could talk a little bit more about how EPL is not only there to provide like creative work, but there's also this this social aspect as well. Absolutely. We are, and we've been working on this for about 13 years, we are directed, I guess, and inspired by our community-led service philosophy framework. And really, that means that we are led by the communities that we serve. And we we work with com- community, we understand the needs um, that the library needs that they are looking at, um, what barriers they are facing in accessing those needs or meeting those needs. And we work really hard to try and break down those barriers. So we work with hundreds of organizations across the city. Um, from the Stollery Hospital to uh, prison systems to the schools to Bissell and Boyle Mennonite Center for Newcomers, I, the list is list can go on and on. And it it really is engaging community, working beyond our walls to uh, provide those services. So taking programs out, taking computers out to teach uh, folks about digital literacy, workforce development. Uh, so it really is that connection and engagement with community. And we are we are very much embedded in the community and often frequently, very frequently thought of as community partners. So I think we've done a really good job of positioning ourselves. And um, we do want to see, of course, the space is, is vital, um, that access to space, physical space. But getting out into the community is, is equally important to make sure we're meeting community where they're at. There's been a number of initiatives that I think are nested within that community framework. And one of them, I think, which is very much related to our relationship with Boyle and Bissell and some of the social agencies is our social worker outreach program. Oh, that's great. I was actually just about to ask you about that. Oh, were you? Yeah. Yeah. And so this was initiated as a result of a Department of Justice, Alberta government, a grant that we received many years ago. So we were able to hire, at the end of the day, three social workers. We know, we're aware that folks who are more socially vulnerable were accessing library spaces, and we didn't always have the expertise to support them. And I think there is the, I think the inspiration and the sort of the framework around this service is that there's unconditional regard for people coming into the library and they can use our spaces without being stigmatized. So they're coming in with various folks from different demographics and backgrounds, and they're not identifiable in terms of using social supports. And so the social workers will connect folks with housing, with identification, with support for medical expertise, you know, glasses, 
um, addiction support, and they really work on referring. And so that engagement and collaboration with other social agencies is vital. They also provide service not only out of the Milner Library, but they will provide support to our staff who are working with folks in the branches and will connect to as well out in the branches. But it's been a real uh, opportunity, I think, to work with agencies and collaborate to support our city's most vulnerable. And the wonderful thing about the new Milner Library, the revitalized Milner Library, is we have more space in which community agencies can work out of. So we've got office space, we've got meeting room spaces, and have a number of relationships already established where folks will actually work out of here to serve the clients who are coming into the Milner Library. I love that so much. It makes my heart happy. Lisa, it's, there's so many wonderful stories and, you know, folks who have just come to the library because really they have nowhere else to go. You know, we are that last public space in our world where you don't have to buy something to access a service or, or just sit and be. And we've had uh, folks just really been helped tremendously through the social workers with addiction and getting back on their feet. So not only are those stories, uh, I think they speak and demonstrate the impact, but when we first um, conducted the grant reporting, there was a social return on investment report that was completed and it showed that there were over $3.5 million in savings. So that reactive savings with calling fire, police, health, ambulance, those kinds of things. So this proactive service, I think, is is a much more uh, efficient and sets people up for success in a much better way than that reactive. So we're pleased to be able to contribute. Yes. Yes. It is so key, <laughs> that proactive and forward thinking. And I, I, in my mind, I always word that as like just being compassionate. Just being compassionate is often the least expensive way to go. It, it really is. And I think even, you know, folks who might not necessarily seek the support of our social workers, we had a, an event at the, um, it was Enterprise Square just before we moved over to the Milner Library. And there was a fellow there who had, he comes to the library every day. He is a refugee and, and he's been living in Edmonton for a number of years. His, his way of engaging though and being and um, sort of preventing that social isolation is to come to the library, watch people and, you know, be greeted by staff and asked if you need anything. I think sometimes that's the only hello that some people get in a day. So it's that welcoming, service-oriented approach that our staff really lead in, I think, is instrumental in why we are what we are as an institution in the city. So Edmonton Public Library started back in 1913, over 100 years ago. Um, how do you think EPL will continue to be a space of books and learning and wonder 100 years from now? Really good question. And I wish I had that crystal ball. You know, I think while we have evolved, I think fundamentally the philosophy around uh, and the vision and mission around providing service has remained pretty much the same. And that is serving people, providing services that meet their needs, providing opportunities for people to learn and to grow and to be their best selves. And I mean, that has certainly evolved. You know, when I first started at EPL a number of years ago, we were just getting public access computers. So through the Gates Foundation and who would have thought 
that public computers would be situated in public libraries. I mean, I don't think anybody would have envisioned that. And that has been transformative, not only for our service vision philosophy, but also for the community. And it's really difficult to know, you know, books very much remain the mainstay of public libraries. People want that physical book. It still is thought of as the main service that we provide. I think with that, though, and and most importantly, when people are coming in to get their books to borrow or their music videos, whatever, it's the relationship too with staff and that relationship, that, that sense that they're important, that their needs are important and we're here to serve. So I, I think that is fundamentally going to remain. What the services will look like, makerspaces weren't thought of, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So who knows what that's going to look like, virtual reality. Uh, we have loaned technology and do loan technology. So I think loaning something that is popular 50 years from now will continue to be a priority and really, you know, meeting people where they're at and responding to community needs and engaging with community will still very much be fundamental in terms of our service delivery. That sounds fantastic. Um, Was there anything that we didn't quite get to that you were hoping to talk about? You know, I would love, Lisa, to mention our early literacy programs. And because I think we're, we really have a niche in terms of providing that entryway into the love of reading, which is really fundamental in terms of kids' success as they go through the school system and then later in life. And one of our most popular programs that we deliver in collaboration with Alberta Health Services is called Sing, Sign, Laugh and Learn. And it is really, it is just what it says, singing, laughing, signing um, as a way to get kids um, attuned to the voice and to the to song, to rhyming, and to build some communication skills through signing that will help with potentially frustrating experiences as a, as a little one, you, you can't voice how you feel. So that's very um, successful. We have uh, under... Typical operations, we have waiting lists uh, over across the city for that attendance in that program. And that morphed into something called Welcome Baby. So at at the age of the two months, when kids are getting their uh, two-month immunization, they receive a package through the health units, um, which, which provides a, a library card coupon, a board book, and some songs. And it's that entryway into, again, that love of reading and language. And that has resulted in, I think, a way to ensure that all kids, no matter what their backgrounds, have you know more equal opportunities to, to love reading and learn and, and read as, as a child. And the programs have increased about 135% over the last um, eight years. And so I think caregivers understand the role that we can play in helping them ensure their kids are successful later in life. So it's a it's a fantastic program. And we look forward to, um, as we continue to cope through this pandemic, when we can invite folks back into our spaces with their little ones and, and offer that in person. A big thank you to Pilar Martinez for joining us. Listeners, the Edmonton Public Library Speaker Series for 2021 is underway with upcoming guests, including Terry O'Reilly presenting Customer Service is Marketing on September 29th, and tickets are on sale now. And Michael Landsberg, who will talk about mental health and sports on November 3rd. Tickets for Michael will go on sale on September 22nd. 
Of course, we'll have the links in our show notes so you can check out all the details. And we'll have a link to EPL's podcast, Overdue Fines, where hosts Bryce Crittenden and Caroline Land chat about books, movies, music, pop culture, and other great things happening in Edmonton. We also want to say a special thank you to all of the donors who have created and contributed to endowment funds at ECF that directly support the Edmonton Public Library. Your generosity is an important part of how the amazing team at Edmonton Public Library provides its many programs and resources to the community. Thank you for giving. We'll have a list of those funds in our show notes, and that's where you can also find links to our upcoming granting deadlines. Be sure to check those out to see if you, or someone you know, could be eligible for funding. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. We really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the show, share it out. And if you have time, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help new listeners find our show. You can also find us on Facebook, where you can share your thoughts and see some pictures. Thanks again for tuning in. We've been your hosts, Andrew Paul. And Elizabeth Bonking. Until next time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation. And is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.